Our special guest today is here to talk about goaltending, the myth of hockey, scoring, Joe Tilly's great Canadian sports show. Coming up! Welcome to the program, and we have a very interesting one for you today. Our guest is a former goaltender, former goalie coach, a stats freak, self-admitted, the founder of the myth of hockey. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Gary Ray Laidler. Gary, great to have you here, my friend. Thank you for having me. I know this is a very interesting topic and very controversial for sure, so I appreciate you at least giving me an opportunity to talk about it. And then we'll just let the listeners, viewers decide for themselves if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm on par or if I'm, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let them decide, Joe. Right. We're going to see if there's any there, there. Okay. All right. So there let's talk go. about, first of all, your, your, your favorite goalie, your personal favorite goalie, uh, Billy Smith. Uh, and what, uh, when you were going through uh, talking about your favorite goaltender, Billy Smith, you were, researching into billy smith you want to know everything you could about know about billy smith you found out some interesting facts tell us about that so it, this goes back more than 25 years ago joe after a beer league game i'm 55 years old and after the beer league game uh, a bunch of us went to a pub like you know canadians do and get some beer and wings and a long story short we started talking about who's the best goalie of all time and of course uh, i was the goalie of the group by the way and all of my friends on that team were talking about Patrick Waugh and Brodeur and Tretiak and Ken Dryden, Bernie Perrant, just to name a few. And so I said, Billy Smith's the best goalie of all time. I should know because I'm the goalie of the group. And Billy Smith was winning Stanley Cups between the years of 1981 to 1984. And I was a young teenager at that time looking for a childhood hero, and Billy was it. So I won't bore you with that information about me because it's not about me. So the next morning after this critical discussion about who's the best goalie of all time, I truly wanted to find out who really was the best goalie of all time. Well, how do I do that? So the next morning I woke up and I chose Billy Smith to research because he's my hero. So I looked at Billy's career and I saw after his 17 years or 18 years I saw a goals against average, a save percentage, and a win percentage. And I thought, okay, how can I prove that Billy was much better than other goalies? Well, I'll look at his backups. So what I did, Joe, is I added up all of the backups during those years that Billy played to get a goals against average, a save percentage, and a win percentage. And of course, Billy's in the Hall of Fame and won four Stanley Cups. So I'm completely expecting, and again, I was a goalie. I was a goalie coach at the time. This all happened. I was expecting to find a large margin of difference. I was expecting Billy's stats to be much, much better than his backups or his partners. And in those years, there was a couple of rookies that were inserted that played a few years new to the NHL. So again, I was expecting a large margin. But I'll tell you, Joe, and this is what started the myth of hockey for me, there was no difference. The backups collectively were just as good as Billy Smith when you added all the totals together. Now, that should blow everybody's mind right there because it certainly blew my mind, Joe, because, again, this guy was my childhood hero, 
and I was expecting huge difference in numbers. So how is that possible? How is it possible that Billy's in the Hall of Fame and Kelly Rudy, Rolly Mallinson, and Chico Resch, who were the three backups that played the bulk of those games, they're not in the Hall of Fame, but their stats collectively matched a Hall of Famer. But that shouldn't happen, Joe. If, if goaltending is everything that the whole hockey world thinks it is, that shouldn't have happened. So then I quickly started researching other goalies, Ken Dryden, Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur. And as I researched them in very, uh, like very detailed, looking at stat power play uh, uh, save percentages, but here's the issue is that they too were replaceable. And again, how is that possible? How is it the guys like that, these Hall of Famers, were replaceable by their backups? So <laughs> it's quite fascinating that the reason goalies are in the Hall of Fame is because of wins. That's it. They haven't, not too many people have researched it so in-depthly to know because again, other goalies were doing just as well as those guys were, and they were replaceable. So how is it that that happened, Joe? It's it's just it's fascinating. So is I know that you know in this day and age we're all about stats. The stats, you know, this is the stats generation, and we created all kinds of new, you know, uh, types of stats and everything else, and you know, win and, and war, and, you know, you know, all kinds of different uh, different. Uh, stats that we you have in baseball hockey whatever uh right so is this a case of before we were really concerned about stats we just knew that goalies won or they lost and that's that's what right. we went by or, or is this a relatively new thing well it's it's it, it, it is new but again 20 years ago when i started looking at this let me give the the one example Mark Temberder is considered to be one of the best goalies of all time, maybe the greatest of all time. And I'm going to use him as an example. We all think this because he won Stanley Cups and he had great stats. But what stats were those? Okay, so it was goals against average and save percentage, wins and shutouts. Those were the, the four stats that the hockey world looked at. And remember, the Vesna's voted on by the GMs. I don't think the GMs in the NHL spend too much time researching every season, every goalie to look deeper into the stats. And what I mean by that, here's an example. If I were to tell the viewers that Mark Tembroder won three Stanley Cups, okay? In winning those three Stanley Cups, you need to win four games in the Stanley Cup finals. So I'm just looking at the finals, okay, Joe? So you have to win four games to win the finals. He won three cups, so that's 12 wins in the Stanley Cup final, okay? Now, this is going to blow people away. If I were to ask people, and when I do ask people, what were the average shots in those 12 wins for Martin Brodeur? For a goalie to be great or for stealing games, shouldn't the shot average be like 34 shots or 32 shots or even 29 shots? Shouldn't that, isn't that what would make a goalie great, a guy stealing games? Well, Martin Brodeur, believe it or not, Joe, in those 12 finals victories, had an average shot total against of only 19.8. Now, if you can't critically think and take that new information that I've just provided the viewer and go, 19.8, that's ridiculously low. Obviously, the shot quality had to not have been very good. That's the excuse I get when I present this information to some people. They go, 
well, he must have made the big save when he needed it. But there was only 19.8 shots, Joe, in those victories. He wasn't stealing any games. But again, we think of his, him, Brodeur's greatness because he had all kinds of shutouts and he had victories. But if you look deeper into the stats, which I've done, and here's another critical stat that people don't know. The hockey world doesn't know this. The New Jersey Devils, for most of Brodeur's careers when he was winning Stanley Cups, the New Jersey Devils took the fewest amount of minor penalties. Doesn't that, that, I mean, it's not even a question. That definitely helps the goalie's shutouts and his goals against average and his save percentage if he's facing the fewest power plays. And, and that this is the critical information that I researched really deep. Well, so you've got Scott Stevenson t- hitting people in the head back then and not getting penalized well, for it. So yeah, well, and that's the other part this. of Joe. Great point. <laughs> and that's the other factor. Did the other goalies during Broder's career have A, Scott Stevens, B, Scott Niedermeyer, Niedermeyer. Um, mm-hmm. and Danico? Like the other right. goalies didn't have that wall. And so when I research this and I look at Brodeur, just to use him as an example, and I'm using him only because he's considered great. If I used another goalie, then people could just uh, brush it off. But Brodeur was so well insulated. And that's the thing. Here's, and here's the part B of my critical information that I'm sharing. Goaltenders do not influence the quality shots. The, the, the defense and the systems do. So how can, if the goalies don't create the quality shots, it's the defense that's responsible for quality shots against, then every goalie doesn't play on the same playing field. So to, so to say Brodeur was better than Mark uh, Tambourian or any other goalie during his era, it's not fair because they didn't play with the same insulation or they didn't face the same quality shots. Cause you look at these other goalies and their four best defensemen, they don't compare to these hall of famers of Scott Niedermeyer and Scott Stevens. Come on. And that's, that's where we have to stop just saying, Oh, it must've been the goalie that won these championships. No, it's the insulation Joe that provides the protection and the goalies don't control that. So, yeah. I, I've actually got to, we got uh, Glenn Healy coming on the show and, and Ken Reagan. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about heels because he backed up, uh, you know, some pretty good goaltenders, Mike Richter and stuff like that. I mean, would you, would you contend that, uh, that heels was as good or, or, or better than some of those guys? A hundred percent. Because if you look at, let's start with, with, well, let's start with heels. He, if you look, if you research Glenn Healy and look at the defensemen that he played behind compared to the goalies that were winning the Stanley Cups, it's not even close. And that's the whole thing. What my point is, it's about the insulation. If Healy had played for better teams, if Ken Raggett, Ken Raggett and Bester, when they played in the 80s, okay, they played, if, if I, I could read off the names of the defensemen. I mean, Boreas Salmi was uh, on the Leafs in the 80s, but he was getting getting up yeah, there in he, age. Yeah. But if you if you compare the defensive core that Bester and Reggett um, had to play behind, behind, you know, some of the other goalies in the, in the NHL, like for another example here, another hook, if you will, is Grant Fear and Andy Moog. They had identical stats, but, Mo- mm-hmm. but Fear's in the Hall of Fame and Moog isn't. Well, how is that? It's because Fear won the championship they he won the stanley cups but 
but it wasn't because of fear that the Edmonton Oilers were winning Stanley Cups because Grant Fear's save percentage and his goals against average, believe it or not, Glenn Hanlon, remember Glenn Hanlon? Glenn Han- Hanlon, during the same years that Fear was winning Stanley Cups, had the same save percentage as Grant Fear. Glenn Hanlon had a losing record in the NHL. So if Glenn Hanlon or Healy or any other goalie was on the Edmonton Oilers and had all of that goal support, Joe, come on. It's, it's, it's again, because goalies don't control the shot quality, it's almost impossible to tell us, tell anybody who is great, a great goalie and who isn't, because it all depends on the insulation of the protection. Well, there's a lot of people who tell you that Andre Veselovsky is the best goalie on the planet today. And uh, he's got back-to-back Stanley Cup victories. He's got a trip to, and then a trip to the Stanley Cup final. And a lot of teams that beat uh, that Vasilevsky and the, and the Lightning beat out will tell you that the reason that they beat them was Andre Vasilevsky. What do you say to that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I say to that. Last year's playoffs, just to use the most recent comparison, Vasilevsky against Toronto had a below 900 save percentage. Toronto lit him up. And that tells me one thing off the, off the hop, is that Toronto has had one of the best offensive teams last year, and Vasilevsky couldn't do much to prevent that. Again, Campbell had the same save percentage as Vasilevsky, but we always just, the, the hockey experts, we just blow that off as, oh, that was a one-off. And here's the other thing. Vasilevsky, two years ago, along with Fleury, and Grubauer were the top three Vesna voted goalies. Okay, again, by the general managers of the NHL. Grubauer was third in that nomination. He only lost nine games during the shortened season. He had 30 wins and nine losses and was third in the Vesna voting, again, voted by the GMs. Well, he goes to Seattle last year, Joe, and what happens? He's actually had the worst starting stats of any goalie in the NHL. So that tells me, again, it's more proof that it's all about the insulation. So I believe if Grubauer couldn't make Seattle a winner, what makes us think that if Vasilevsky played for Seattle, they would have been a contender? I don't buy that for a second. The Tampa Bay Lightning was the best team in the world for a reason, not because of their goaltender, because they had great insulation, great protection keeping shots to distances and perimeters to make Vasilevsky's job easier than Grubauer's job. And that's basically, it's very simple if we look at it and break it down as the protection. Because again, Vasilevsky doesn't dictate or control the shot quality the team does. And until goalies, and until we understand that, we're always going to give the credit to the goaltender. Joe, here's an interesting thing. Never in NHL history, and this, this has to piss off defensemen in the NHL. Never once in NHL history have the three stars been defenseman Joe Smith, uh, second star Billy Johnson, third star defensive defenseman whatever. My point is it's never, it's not sexy to say that a game was won by three defensive defensemen that provide Vasilevsky his protection. It's always so much simpler to look at the stats and go, oh, Vasilevsky stopped 31 of 33. He must have been the reason. Meanwhile, the defensemen are getting crunched in corners, blocking shots, pushing guys to perimeters, um, getting beat up, trying to clear guys, uh, clear screens, clear rebounds. They never get any credit, Joe. It's always the goaltender that gets the star of the game when it's a low story. And that's not fair. 
It's time for no. the hockey world to start giving credit to, again, it's never happened in NHL history where the three stars were three defensive defensemen or defensive forward getting back and blocking shots, making zone exits. It's always the freaking goalie. And I'm a former goalie and it drives me crazy. Because the you next night they give up five goals on, on less shots. Yeah, you know, you, Sorry, you do make a good point. I, you know, because there is a, there is a, a Selkie Award for the best defensive forward. Why wouldn't there be, like in addition to the Norris Trophy, be another trophy for the best defensive defenseman? Uh, because quite we, frequently, that the, the winner of the Norris Trophy also puts up a ton of points, and that's and it's so much sexier just to. And again, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like I'm arrogant, or but why is it, Joe, that it's always the goalie that gets the recognition when it's a low-scoring game? Always, like like last night, if you I watched the game very closely with the Leaf game. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Leaf fan, and Matt Murray. <laughs> There's no way it was because of Matt Murray, the Leafs won 5-1, but he was second star. The insulation that they provided Matt Murray, there was one save where he came across and the puck was shot into his glove. And here's the other myth of hockey. Uh, Murray slid across, the puck was shot into his glove. And you know what the, the, the color commentator said, Joe? He tracked that puck into his glove. From eight feet away, you can't track pucks. And this brings me to the third part of the myth of hockey. Goalies do not play a position that's within their human capacity. And what I mean by that, so when I saw that the stats were, when, when I saw that the, the, the uh, Stanley Cup winning goalies, the Hall of Fame goalies, when I saw that their stats were never much better than the backups, I wanted to know why. So that's when I started doing video research. I started recording games and playing them in super slow motion. And this is what I've uncovered. And this is the other part of the myth of hockey, just as important as the stats. The myth of hockey is goalies don't play a position with their, within their human capacity. And what I mean by that is shots are traveling so fast that goalies can't react to them the way we think they are. When I break down a glove save from 18 feet, so the top of the, 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 first, the, top, um, sorry, the top of the crease to the first hash mark is 14 feet. So the second hash mark is about 18 feet. When we see a goalie on a hard shot make a glove save from there, he's not tracking it, Joe. The puck simply enters the glove. And then they do the, the big, they throw the glove into the air, creating that illusion or that myth that they've made or they've manufactured a tracking save. And they just simply are not. They are, the puck hits them, they react to it, creating that illusion that they've made this tracking save. And here's, and here's my point. It's, just, it's like saying that, the one, that, that Mike is a better bullet catcher than John. That's impossible. We, we are humans. We have human limitations. Imagine a fastball that gets thrown from 60 feet, six inches. Roger Clemens throwing a fastball at a batter. They can barely get the bat on the ball. And, and it's, it's imagine Roger Clemens throwing a, a fastball from 18 feet. You can't, there's no way a catcher or a goalie is going to catch that. It's impossible. You can't. We, we, and we forget that part of it is that there's limitations. So how can one goalie be better at reflex or reactionary saves than another? They can't. It's all about positioning. And so when the positioning right. comes down to the insulation, then obviously the better defensive teams or the better teams are going to provide a better insulation. So the better the team, the better the goalie. I don't believe the whole myth of hockey is that you need a champ, you need a great goalie to win championships or at least a very good goalie. It's not true because when if, if that was so true, then why is it when goalies are replaced, these Hall of Famers, there doesn't seem to be ever much of a difference. And again, this is wah, 
Brodeur, Ken Dryden, Bernie Perrant, if you look when they were replaced for significant numbers, not just for five games, six games, that doesn't count. I'm talking large sample sizes. The backups or replacements did just as well. Hasek too. So there's so many, I could give you so many examples. I could bore people with the stats, but it's, if you do the research and you look at the research, it's, it's quite fascinating that there is a myth of hockey that goalies are overvalued. I believe the most overvalued position in all of North American pro sports. Well, I mean, no doubt about it. The positioning has a lot to do with it and, and uh, everything to do with it. I, I remember John reading Johnny Bauer's book on goaltending many, many years ago. And uh, little pamphlets he used to, we used to get at the ESO station. And anyway, uh, the, uh, uh, and it was all about cutting off the angles and, you know, backing up slowly, making sure that you got the angles covered all the way through. And, and you're right, you know, sometimes, you know, goalies, you'll see them kind of overreact with a push, you know, flipping the glove out and, and when the puck comes in, the puck's already in their glove, but they, they, they finish it off. Oops, hit my mic. They finish it off and make it look spectacular. And, uh, yeah, there is some of no, that. There is some of that. How come there's no great, if you, re, if you go on YouTube right now and research great locker saves, there is none. No, that's all about position. The puck for hits sure. the blocker. The all about position. Well, the puck hits the blocker and ricochets in well, the corner. They can't kicks, make that what about, what about, what about the kick save and a beauty? <laughs> well, and again, in super slow motion. And I have a video on my YouTube channel that shows that. The puck hits the pad, then the pad extends, creating that myth of a, of manufacturing a tracking save. But again, there at, at certain distance, how come nobody's ever talked about this? When I've asked experts, and I have to ask them without letting them know what I'm doing, when I ask experts, at what distance does an NHL goalie lose the ability to manufacture tracking save? Nobody has an answer for me. Nobody. Nobody can tell me that at 18 and a half feet, the average NHL goaltender loses the ability to manufacture tracking saves. How come nobody discusses that? And I'll tell you, so Joe, it, it's, it's right. So it makes it, the difference between like, say a Mark Andre Fleury and, uh, you know, some guy who's, who didn't make it in the NHL is maybe that they could track that 18 feet instead of 18 and a half. Well, what do you say that? It, it's funny. Uh, what I say to that is, is I don't buy that because even Ken Dryden in his book, him and his wife during his prime did a reflex test where, you, you know, when you drop the ruler and you have to catch it with your fingers, uh, like a yardstick, his wife beat him in reflex or reactionary. Not, and he has that in his book. Ken Dryden put that his own words that his wife actually had better reactionary time than he did during his prime. And again, if, Goaltenders, if, if I can give one more example, Ken Dryden, when he played in college at Cornell, he went 25 and 2. He left Cornell and a year and a half later won a Stanley Cup. Who replaced the great Hall of Famer Ken Dryden at Cornell? A gentleman by the name of Brian Cop Cropper. I live in Whitby. Brian Cropper lives in Ajax. Okay. Brian Cropper was only five feet, six and a half inches tall. He replaced the great Ken Dryden at Cornell. Again, Dryden went 25 and two to win a national championship. Brian Cropper, a name that your viewers have never heard of, in Cornell went 27 and 0, and Cornell won back to back championships with Brian Cropper, who's not in the Hall of Fame. Again, I ask the viewers if 
Ken Dryden was so instrumental and skilled for Cornell. How is it that Brian Cropper simply filled in for him and went 27 and 0 with the same stats, goals against, and save percentage? Because again, it's the team is far more critical because they're the ones that decide the quality shots by their systems. Goaltending is a product of their environment. And that's why Grubauer was a star on Colorado two years ago, and he was terrible last year. Not because he lost his skill, not because he lost his goalie coach, not because he lost his reactionary time, but because he's now reliant on the product in front of him providing the insulation or protection. Right. But there, you know, there are other factors involved too. Like it's a confidence thing. You lose your, you lose your mojo. It just happens in, in, in all sports. But, you know, um, and I think about like what, what happened. Look at, look at, look at Mark Andre Fleury. He leaves Pittsburgh and he goes to the expansion team, you know, the Las Vegas uh, Knights and leads them to the Stanley cup final. I mean, you, you don't think and, that, you know, he's not playing in front of the, like, uh, Scott uh, Stevens and, and, and Scott Niedermeyer. Well, those are the systems because what happened to Fleury. So uh, again, I, I don't like it. This isn't a, an argument or a debate. So <laughs> I love you, Joe. So um, last year, he or two years ago, he won the Vesna, right? As the best goalie for Vegas. And what happened last yeah. year on Chicago? He was terrible. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, and, no, and so, no I mean, nobody's going to argue that, 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 that the team has a lot to do with it. No question about it. Well, and so my, I guess my answer to you is the Vegas, the team was good. It's about, it's about the, the protection and the systems. Again, the Vegas, we, you don't have to have big names to be successful, right? Again, it's, it's, it's if, if Vegas obviously were playing very dedicated. And here's another thing, just to add to your point, why almost every single goalie, their save percentage goes down in the playoffs. Why? Because obviously teams play differently. They play what we always hear, playoff hockey. Playoff hockey reduces the goalies or increases the goalie save percentage because now they're playing very much tight, tighter uh, systems. And again, I have hundreds of examples of goalies being replaced. You know, Patrick Waugh retired um, from Colorado with one of his best stat years ever. And who replaces him? Well, the backup goes in and just, just as good a job played 66 games. And here's another thing. This is what's really interesting. Patrick Waugh, the last year he played in the NHL, again, he had very good stats. He got nominations for Vesna and, and even Hart Trophy. Well, the goalie that replaced the great Patrick Waugh, he did better than Patrick Waugh. He didn't get a single Vesna vote, even though he played 60 games and had great stats. Because again, the GMs aren't researching it. They're not, they're not sitting down and looking at every goalie every year. So I believe the Vesna trophy is you can't, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt because the, I don't believe the GMs are sitting down researching every goal. Why can't the best goalie Joe be on the last place team? I did. Aren't the Vesna, Vesna trophy voted by the writers, the hockey writers? No, that's the con Smythe. I thought they voted on Vesna as well, but in, in no, any I think case, it's, it's uh it, it, it can be a popularity contest to, to a degree, no, no doubt about that. Well, and, 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 because... and my last point on that is why can't the, why can't the goalie on the last play? Mark, um, uh, Mark Denis in 2002-2003, um, he played 70 games like Brodeur did. But Mark Denis faced 700 more shots than Martin Brodeur did in Jersey. But what happened to Mark Denis' career? And this is the sad part. 
because I truly believe that the installation and the protection makes goalies rich and famous. Mark Denis faced 700 more shots than Martin Brodeur. And if you look very detailed at those stats, very uh, most games that Brodeur played for New Jersey that year in 0203 faced less than 25, 25 or 26 shots, like almost half of his games. Mark Denis on the last place team, he rarely saw games with less than 25 or 26 shots. In fact, most of his games were over 30 shots. So how's that a, how's that a level playing field? So, and this is what happens, and this is why it's unfair and why what I just said, that teams make goalies rich and famous, because if Martin Brodeur had to play for the Columbus Blue Jackets and he was facing 700 more shots, do you think Martin Brodeur wins them a Stanley Cup and wins the Vesna? Not a chance. There's no way. But if Mark Denis, who, by the way, had a better PK save percentage than the great Martin Brodeur that year, and that should be eye-opening in itself, because these are the deeper stats that nobody looked at. How many shots? How many PK shots? Where were the shots coming from? Were they quality shots? How, how come? And this is the whole point, is that it's not a loving play, playing field. So the Mark Denis of the world, and here's the critical part too, Joe. When GMs, coaches, when they see that they're when they lose, who do they blame? If the owner comes to the team and says, hey, coach and GM, why did we suck this year? First, the, the, you know what? The, the easy cop-out, or oh, our goalie wasn't very good. Right? Not my systems were poor. The coach isn't going to say that. The GM's not going to say, well, I didn't provide enough protection for the goalie. Let's just blame the goalie. So Mark Denis, you know, and, and eventually he just gets pushed out of the league because everybody thinks he stinks because he gave up more goals than Martin Berdur, even though he faced 700 more shots. It's not fair, Joe. It's not fair. But you, you know what? I, I'm thinking that probably, Gary, there's a lot of uh, goaltenders who, who, would, who would agree with you as to, uh, you know, <laughs> Well, uh, I'll way, tell fix, you. Fix, fix just done some quick uh, research for us, uh, our producer, and he said that uh, it, it, the GMs do, in fact, vote on the on the Vezina. So you're right. Good. Yeah, and it's it's just Joe again. It's it's it. This is very. I know this is crazy for me to say goalies are overvalued and they're they're a product of their environment. But again, I didn't wake up three weeks ago and, and start this research. It's over twenty years old, and when I tell defensemen this. Because I have friends that used to play in the NHL. When I tell them these stats, they go, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Because, again, we're not given all of the information. People say, well, you can't, stats isn't everything. Well, that's the only reason Brodeur is considered to be one of the best is because of the shutouts, which is a stat, because of his wins, which is a stat, and because he's won the Vesna, which isn't even a stat. That's just, that's just a voted-on thing, again, by GMs who aren't doing the research. But if you look that he faced the fewest uh shots on the on the power play or on the penalty kill that's got to be that's that's an important stat joe and nobody talks about it nobody talks about the 19.8 shots he only had to face to win three stanley cups and by the way in his losses he had um in the losses in the stanley cup final he had 26 shots against wow what a difference when his team's winning 19.8 shots against him but when they lost in the finals he had 26 against him Proving once again, it's all about the insulation or the protection that the defensive systems gave him. Well, you know, it, it's like uh, it, it's 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 a funny thing, but you know, in, you know, in sports and all the sports, it's it's the same kind of thing. You know, like the coaches, the general managers will go with the guys that they're comfortable. They'll hire the coach that they're comfortable with. The coaches will hire the players that they're comfortable with. 
it 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 doesn't always come down to a case of you know who's better stats wise or it's kind of who they are comfortable with who maybe as a team the players are comfortable with and what and what it boils down to is the, the when you when you win you pull the right strings when you lose you pull the wrong strings you got the wrong chemistry you got the wrong this you got the wrong that but you know that's kind of I just want to ask you one question because you know, uh, being in the in, in the in the Leafs area here, what do, do you what, what would you think is the biggest reason Maple Leafs have been unsuccessful for eighteen years and counting in the playoffs, not winning the round? Why do I think the Leafs haven't been successful? Well, in the last five years, and here this this, I don't believe it has anything to do with the goaltending. Again, because I believe goaltending is the product of their environment. The Leafs have the best offensive team the last four or five years. Do we really expect that those forwards that we have play the game with defensive first mentality? Because I often hear Toronto fans blaming our defense. Oh, the defense sucks. We're not tough enough. We're not this. Defense, defense, defense. And sometimes we blame the goalie. The last time I checked, there are six guys uh, protecting the net in the defensive zone. Not one guy in net, not two defensemen. There's six guys protecting the goal in the defensive zone. The three forwards are also just as responsible for providing the insulation to prevent goals. And I don't believe, maybe they're getting better, but I don't believe that our studs, our offensive studs, are that focused on our defensive systems. I think Marner's good at blocking shots. Matthew's a good two-way center. He's good at getting zone exits, digging the puck out of his own corner. He's like the third defenseman back there. But again, it's the Leafs outplayed Tampa Bay last year. They should have won. They were the better team, and it had nothing to do with goaltending. We again, we lit up Vasilevsky last year, and so I think this is finally their year. And here's another thing: Matt Murray was a stud in Pittsburgh on a good team with Crosby, Melkin, Latang. He goes to Ottawa, doesn't do very well. As far as wins go, he's now on Toronto. Watch what happens, Joe. He's going to be Vesna talk. I promise right. I'll guarantee you, if he doesn't get hurt and he stays healthy, either him or Sansonoff, they'll have a ton of more wins than they did last year. Because again, I believe, well, it's, an, it's not even that I believe this, Joe. It's just my research provides this. I'm just the messenger. M Murray's going to, if he stays healthy, he's going to get a ton of wins in Toronto. There's going to be Vesna talk because I do believe that finally the Toronto the forwards are getting they're starting to understand that there's three zones in hockey, not just one. And I and, and I believe to answer your question, long winded, I believe this is the Leafs year getting past the first round, maybe the second round, because I finally believe they're buying into all six players are responsible for the insulation to provide the goalie less chance scoring chances against or at least quality chances. Oh, it's taken a long time to learn that lesson because uh, they've been trying to preach it to them for, for quite a while now. And by the way, Jack Campbell was in the Desna co uh, conversation up until January last year. Just right. So remembered. Listen, Gary, listen, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, let me know when you when you come up with the book because that'll be an interesting read. And uh, there, we should get some pushback with this. I expect some. That'll be fun to. Oh, hundred. I am going to get. I'm going to get lambasted. Like I don't know what I'm talking about. But again, I sure. didn't start this two weeks ago. Two years ago. This is a long, long in depth. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you in 20 minutes 
all of the information right. I've provided. But I, I do yeah. thank you for your 20 minutes. I truly do. Well, maybe we'll have you back on the show later on with a myth debunker debunker. Okay, so there we go. Well, when Leafs, <laughs> when Leafs win, when Leafs, <laughs> when Leafs go to the third round and Matt Murray's in the Vesna talk and maybe wins it, maybe you can have me back on your show. <laughs> Beautiful. I hope that happens for sure. Thanks, all right. Joe. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for being on the show. Well, of course. And I'm proud. I'm proud of you, by the way, Joe, for all the work you've done. Um, I'm very proud of you. Thank you, buddy. More Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show coming up after the break. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line, imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to hpibet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's hpibet.com. Do you know why that happened? You didn't fix your ball mark. The birds around here are very protective of the course, and when people don't take care of it, this is what happens. It's and at least one other. Hey, look at the bright side. We're not up on the northern course. They've got bears and moose. Visit moregolf.ca today. You'll find everything a golfer could need from balls, gloves, and clubs to custom fitting opportunities and training gear. Go to moregolf.ca and get $20 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Just enter the promo code JTSports. Our COSA race recap. We're going to take you back to the Breeders' Crown that weekend at Mohawk. 
Working on a mystery, moving up on cover, this is the plan. In the open pace, the big boys, led by Bulldog Hanover, the world record holder, trained and owned by Jack Darling. This is a true superstar, folks, and he showed us why. Dexter Dunn, who had an unbelievable weekend, took Bulldog Hanover into the lead at the half and never looked back, pulling away. Let's get the call of the finish from Ken Middleton. Tattoo artist scrambles for race, track lady on the outside side third it is bulldog hanover he is he is opening up in deep stretch now to a five length lead and it's bulldog hanover a crowning moment on canadian soil for bulldog hanover and he's home in 146 and four a stakes record performance and he's tied the track and canadian record he felt great tonight you know um you know the fractions were fast but we had a good helmet you know until into the back streets after the first quarter and when he marched on there got in the front and uh you know, he grabbed hold of me like he, he has most of the year in his big miles and uh, gave me a lot of confidence coming that last turn. The pressure going into this race for me was excruciating. I mean, of the fans, all the fans, and like I just wanted him to win so badly for the, for the fans. Turning for home again, uh, same scenario as last time. You're on the lead, Aliwag Hanover on your back, but when you start, started to see him step away, how did that feel? Oh, it felt so good. When we started to step away, I, I felt really good about it. I knew he was right back to himself, and uh, I, I've seen him do it so many times that I'm kind of counting on him. For all the racing updates, visit Costa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to hpibet.com for your wagering options. This is the Excellent Sports Adventure, brought to you by Lycom. Now that the baseball season has officially come to an end, let's take a look back at some of the highlights for your Toronto Blue Jays. Chase spinning their wheels at 46 and 42 when Ross Atkins decided to pull the trigger. Charlie Montoyo got the hook, replaced by John Schneider. It was a great move, as it turned out. Jays closed out the season at 46-28, and 28, grabbing the number one wildcard spot under John Schneider. Too bad about that meltdown against Seattle in the wildcard series. We were there. The Jays had to win this game to prolong their season, and it looked like they had it in the bag. They had an 8-1 to one lead in this game. Both men couldn't hold it. The ball fell into no-man's land. Got to give their Mariners credit. They scrap back to win this game. Seattle is moving on. The Jays are done. That comeback by the Mariners was next level. Now, George Springer had elbow surgery. Six Jays were nominated for Silver Slug Awards. They're all, well, they're going to add a pitcher. They're going to add some bullpen help. Don't worry. This team will be a real serious threat in 23. Oh, the Toronto Argonauts were a pleasant surprise. McClellan, Bethel, Thompson was terrific. The Alouettes and Ticats both made the playoffs. Parity, folks. It was fun to watch Nathan Gore. Most complete homegrown quarterback since Russ Jackson. What a career this guy can have. One of my favorite interviews of all time. Yes, it was. An interview with Frank Mahovlich, who won four Stanley Cups with your Maple Leafs. Talks about moving on to become a Red Wing. We have here it is your return to uh, to Toronto as a Red Wing, and there we go. The big M deeks to the backhand and scores. I believe is that Bruce Gamble in that. Bruce Gamble, yeah, yes, I yes, think yes. that was. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that blazing speed. I mean, you when we <laughs> that puck came out the ice, there's no that, chance anybody's going to catch it. Is that Pronovo? I think it was Pronovo. Uh, what What did it feel like when you came back to to uh, 
to the, to uh, Toronto from Detroit and playing against your old mates and well, hometown, I guess. I, I just played my regular game, you know. Right. I tried to do the best I could, and right. uh, that that was it. Yeah. Well, doing the best you could was not too bad because in that first season with the Red Wings, you had 49 goals. 49. It was a career high, and then 38 the following year. Uh, did you feel rejuvenated so much? Uh, oh, I felt uh, felt great playing with Gordy and Alex Delvecchio for a year there, and uh, it uh, it was really a good experience for me, and I did so well. I, I was really enjoyed. Of course, uh, Gordy, you know, he was in his 40s. And um, he did super well too. So we all we did very well. We got into the playoffs. So we, I think we beat Montreal out for the playoffs in 1970, six, wow. 69, 70. Yeah. So we did real well. And then the Habs would win a lot of cups after that. So you beat a pretty good team. But you well, mentioned you. Then uh, they made yeah. uh, the owner made changes, and Detroit fell apart. They made all those trades, and I got right. traded to uh, Montreal, which was great. Which is what happens when <laughs> when uh, when the owner sometimes. <laughs> Uh, starts meddling in, in the affairs of the hockey team, which happened in Toronto later. But, you know, when you mentioned playing with Gordie Howe, he actually had a career year that year that you joined uh, the Red Wings. Uh, oh, Gordie yeah. Howe, yeah. Hit the 100-point mark for the first time in his career. That's pretty yeah. pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, not bad for great. a 40-year-old, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Time now for our shot of the week. God damn it. Four! Boom Boom Otani, former school teacher, now an incredible golfer. She might have just put that ball on the green here at the par four second for my shot. Today's environmental tip, reduce the electricity you use. Use energy efficient light bulbs instead of regular light bulbs. They last longer, which will save you money. Make sure that you turn off the lights, the TV, and other appliances when you're not using them. And lower your air conditioning or heat settings when it's not necessary. Open your windows when fall arrives and wear more layers of clothing rather than cranking up the heat. RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions. For public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up. The latest in fault locating, base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions. At RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future. We want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, all around great people. We highly recommend them all. A reminder that the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcast, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network, Zingo TV, and Buzz TV Live. Also, you really want to check out our YouTube channel, folks. There are past shows available, weekly sportscasts are on the show, all kinds of cool segments and features, site highlights, like and subscribe, it's free. Thanks once again to Gary Ray Laidler for being in the program. Thank you for watching. See you next time. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by 
Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416 Get Aldo or visit getaldo.com. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the need of their clients in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, their team is here to support you.